was uh, an exceptionally long reading, um, but you did fantastically well, so thank you for doing that. Um, it's a great story, and one that I didn't particularly want to, to truncate, because I think it's an important uh, story for us to, to look at this morning. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, a man called Charles Blondin. He was essentially the first American daredevil. Um, he was the first man to cross the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. The story goes that in 1859, Blondin attempted to cross Niagara on this, this rope. And by all accounts, there were about 100,000 people who had gathered to see this attempt. Um, We've been lucky enough to go to the Niagara Falls and, and the, the falls themselves sit right on the, the line between Canada and the US. So the crowd would have been on either side of the falls. Before Blondin made his attempt, he shouted to the crowd, do you believe that I can cross this rope? And of course everyone looked and thought, absolutely no way. Few people said, yeah, I think you might be able to do it. Blondin wasn't put off. He got on the rope and he walked across Niagara Falls. The crowd went wild. And when he reached the other side, he, he said to them, I haven't finished yet. Do you believe that I can cross this rope now? But this time do it blindfolded. There's a few more people who said, yeah, I think you can do that. We've seen, you, we've seen you walk across. So Blondin gets on the rope with his blindfold on and he walks across the rope to the other side. The crowd again go ecstatic, but Blondin hasn't finished his attempt to cross Niagara. Back on the other side, he says to the crowd, you've seen me do this. Do you believe that I can cross this rope with a blindfold on, this time pushing a wheelbarrow across the rope. And of course, more people turned around and said, yeah, we believe you can do this now. We believe you can do it. So Blondin gets out the wheelbarrow. He blindfolds himself. He gets on the rope. And guess what? He walks across the rope to the other side. The crowd are going crazy by all accounts. But he hasn't finished yet. He turns to the crowd one more time and says, do you believe that I can cross this rope, blindfolded, pushing a wheelbarrow with someone in it. And of course, the crowd by now have gone mad, and they said, yeah, we believe you can do this. Absolutely, we believe you can do this. So Blondin turns around to the crowd and says, right, who will get into the wheelbarrow? And of course, no one did. No one got into the wheelbarrow. And that's a true story, actually, there was someone who did get into the wheelbarrow many years later, and actually that was his manager. But the thing is, you see, it's one thing to say that we believe in something. But it's quite another thing to actually respond or completely trust in it when it seems to defy logic. It seems to go against our understanding. When it feels scary, or perhaps when we are not in control. It's the difference between walking by faith and walking by sight. In our reading this morning, God was taking the nation of Israel somewhere new. 
He was leading them into a new land, somewhere that they hadn't been before, which was to be their very own. 400 years previously, God had met with Abraham and had promised him a land for his descendants. 400 years later, God had reaffirmed that promise to Moses. And now the Israelites were going to go and possess the land. But as we read, they became discouraged and they rebelled. And in doing so, they forfeited their inheritance, being condemned to wander the wilderness for 40 years. For us today, you know, we may not be physically entering a new land. But there are undoubtedly challenges, obstacles that we face, frightening situations perhaps, or tough decisions that we need to make as we try and follow God. And it's in those moments, I believe, that we too have to decide in who or what are we placing our faith to see us safely through to the other side. It's sobering to think that only Caleb and Joshua of that generation entered the promised land. And this morning I want to briefly look at why that was. What we can learn from Caleb and Joshua within this story about how to walk better by faith and not sight. So that we too don't miss out on missing the blessings that God has for us and wants to experience in our own lives. So there are three things this morning, very simple things, things that I'm sure we know perhaps, but it's helpful to be reminded of as we look at this story. The first thing about Caleb and Joshua, you see, is I believe that they learned to trust in God's promises and not appearances. Caleb and Joshua trusted in God's promises and not appearances. As Marion read in verses 27 and 28, and then in verse 30, we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who are there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Just imagine for a moment being in that story, being in that situation, to live in that moment in history when the promise that God had given to Abraham years earlier was about to be fulfilled. And it was all that God had promised. The scouts had reported back. Yes, the land was very fertile, just as God had promised. But, but there is a problem. We're going to have to fight the giants. But is a really small word, isn't it? It's only three letters, but it has enormous power, I believe, when we think about it. The word but seems to, in this case, overshadow everything that had come before it, no matter how great it looked. Such that nearly all the people we read considered the task ahead of them impossible. You see, fear had robbed these people of their faith. 
Fear had robbed them of their trust in God and in his promises. And it had paralyzed them. I don't know about you, but when I read this story, I still find it unbelievable that after everything that the Israelites had been through, the deliverance from Egypt that they had experienced two years earlier, all of the miraculous answer to prayer that they had received, the promise that God had made to them, that they should now doubt that God would fulfill his plan for them. Fear, you see, is such a natural human emotion and such a a, a human response to circumstances. There's nothing wrong with fear. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with fear. We are... We are people. We are people who sometimes fear what the future might hold from us. But the thing is, it's what we do with that fear that I believe makes an enormous difference. Nelson Mandela once said that, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Fear is natural, but it's what we do with that fear that makes a difference. For Joshua and Caleb, their ability to conquer their fears was linked to remaining close to God through the good times, yes, but also through the difficult times, holding on to God's faithfulness, to his promises. And by regularly calling to mind, I believe, all that he had done for them. Just as they had trusted God in the past and God hadn't let him down, so now they had no doubt that God could be trusted to do the same in their present situation. That he would be faithful to his promise. And I wonder this morning, do we have that same certainty in God's promises? You know, as much as we would love to have been perhaps Caleb or Joshua, we're not them. But that doesn't mean that we can't build assurance that God is for us, that he's there with us in all of the things that we will face, that he knows us, that he cares for us. You see, faith, I believe, is like a muscle. And like any muscle, it needs to be regularly exercised to grow in strength and size. And that means that for us, we can only do that by building our trust in God, in Jesus, by regularly drawing close to him. Handing our lives over to him, allowing God to change and transform us from the inside. To pray to him and not pick up those things that we hand over, which we tend to do, certainly speaking for myself. We need to get to know God's love, to be reminded of God's love, his faithfulness. And we can do that by looking at answered prayer in our lives as well. Sometimes it's difficult to see God in the here and now when you're so caught up in something. But actually when you look back over your lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, you would have seen God's hand on your life, I'm sure. His answer to prayers... And they're the things that hold us in faith rather than choosing to look at sight. For the Israelites, they of course built stone monuments 
memorials as a reminder of where God actually met with them so that when they went past again, they would always be reminded that God had been faithful. For us today, we may not build stone memorials, of course, to God. But as I say, as you look back over your life, perhaps you keep a journal, perhaps you keep a diary. It's always helpful to look and to see God's goodness and faithfulness. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Trusting God's promises that he will deliver and not look at the circumstances. If you're feeling anxious this morning, if there's stuff that's pressing in on you, if you're doubting somehow that God can deal with a situation, press closer into him. Remind yourself of his goodness. Look back over your lives at his faithfulness and allow God to still your hearts, to calm your fears. In doing so, your faith will be revived. It will be built up. So Caleb and Joshua, as they were looking to enter the promised land, looked to God's promises and not what they could see. The second thing that I think that we see in this passage is that Caleb and Joshua also looked at God's potential and not the obstacles. He looked at God and his potential rather than the circumstances and the obstacles that they faced. The land that we explored devours those living in it, said uh, the spies. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Then Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, said to the entire Israelite assembly, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. Whilst the spies had undoubtedly convinced themselves that they were grasshoppers, there was no reason to suggest that the enemies thought the same of them. Nevertheless, it's a stark reminder, isn't it, of how powerful and pervasive the grasshopper mentality can be and how difficult it can be to overcome. You see, when you think about it, the grasshopper's always on the ground, always looking up at things, seeing how large they are from where the grasshopper actually is. And if we're always comparing ourselves, our strengths, our gifts, our abilities to the challenges, to the circumstances perhaps that we face, I don't know about you, but I will always feel inadequate, far less than perfect, weak, incapable. Surely you can't be asking me to do this. Instead of the Israelites talking about how big their God was, They kept comparing themselves to the giants, expressing how weak and small they were in comparison. It was only Caleb and Joshua that looked at the situation through God's eyes and not their own. This all-powerful creator of the universe, yet loving father, would once again bring about his perfect plans and purposes for them. The promised land was theirs, not because of who they were, but because of who God was. You see, it's all about perspective. Walking by faith and not sight is about perspective. As I say, when we're in the midst of things, it's so easy to take our eyes off of Jesus, to to somehow miss God 
and the bless in the mess, as it were. Sometimes when we feel under pressure, under attack, when we feel weak and inadequate, we can try and shrink God down to our size as well. But as I say, God is unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just as he entered into creation to bring about salvation and his kingdom's purposes, so it is that we can be sure that he remains active in the world today, in our lives today, in the lives of those who follow Jesus as well. You know, it's a tremendous encouragement, I think, this morning to realise that there's not the smallest detail that God isn't focused about. There's not the smallest thing that you're facing that God isn't aware of. That doesn't mean that it will always run smoothly for us. We all know that that's not the case. Life has its ups and downs. And we also know that when we pray to God, sometimes the answer to prayer isn't as we would have wanted it. I know that as well. But we can be assured that God is with us in the best of times and the worst of times, fighting our battles if we let him, holding us up when we feel exhausted. So I want to say this morning, when we're tempted to compare ourselves to the things that press in on us, the challenges, the struggles, the obstacles perhaps, that we find in front of us, This story encourages us to try and lift our lives once again and our eyes back onto God so that we can compare God Almighty, the Father in heaven, to what's in front of us. Not who we are, not our own strength, not our own ability, but a God, the creator, sustainer of the world, who is above all things and beyond all things as well. Allow God to change your perspective this morning. For as Paul, the Apostle Paul says, if God is for us, then who can stand against us? In Romans 8. So for Joshua and for Caleb, walking by faith and not sight was about trusting in God's promises. It was about focusing on God's potential and not their own strengths. Finally, we read that Caleb and Joshua learnt to trust in God's plan rather than their own comfort. It says this in, uh, in, verse four, uh, in chapter 14, verse 9. Only do not re- rebel against the Lord. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is still with us. Do not rebel against the Lord. Joshua and Caleb had been to the promised land, returning excited and ready to claim the inheritance. They stood before the people of Israel and encouraged them to rise up and to follow them. But instead, what do we read? The people of Israel refused, refused to move forward and enter the promised land. They hadn't just rejected Caleb and Joshua. They'd rejected God. And we read that in God's response, he appeared at the tent of the meeting and declared that he would destroy that rebellious people. But after Moses had pleaded on their behalf, he promised that none over the age of 20 years or older who had witnessed the deliverance from Israel, uh, from Egypt rather, would enter the promised land. Except, of course, Caleb and Joshua. 
The Israelites had seen the deliverance from Egypt. And now they were being barred from entering the promised land. All the people would have to walk around the wilderness for 40 years. One year for every day that the spies had spent scouting out the promised land. One day they would be obedient, ready to follow God into his promise for them. See, that generation had missed God's blessing. I find it fascinating that Caleb and Joshua, these great men of faith, also had to walk around the wilderness for 40 years. Have you thought about that as well? It's just something to ponder on. I wonder what went through their mind, that they too had to do that. As I say, God is still at work in our lives. God is still at work in his church, in this place, in this time, for this season. And he wants to lead us on into new things, whatever those new things might look like. Quite often new things make us fearful. It can be scary sometimes, stepping out, taking us out of our comfort zones perhaps. If we follow God, it means handing over control of our future, of where we're going, and actually trusting in him to lead us into the right place, the perfect place, in his perfect time, and in his perfect way. But the simple truth is, as we see from this story, unless we follow God obediently, unless we trust him, then ultimately we too may end up missing the blessing of God in the here and now. You know, the Bible is full of people who make excuses as to why they couldn't speak up, why they couldn't step out when God's put his finger on them. Perhaps you can remember a few. Moses, Aaron, Gideon, the spies, there are many others that are mentioned. Yet God looked through their excuses, and I believe that God also looks through my excuses and perhaps our excuses if we ever have them. Um, if you ever try and argue with God, you're not going to win the argument. He will always look through, knowing that it's not in our power, our strength to do something, but that he fills us and equips us and anoints us to be able to do what he asks us to do. We read that Caleb had a different spirit and that he followed God wholeheartedly. That was the difference. Caleb had a different spirit. He looked to God. He looked to God's plan and was obedient. And I believe that's the key to seeing God's blessing in our lives today. You know, we have God's Holy Spirit living in us. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then you have God, the Holy Spirit, squeezed into our bodies, there to share our lives, to change us from the inside out, to give us courage, boldness, confidence, insight, wisdom to gift us with abilities and to give us hope and authority so that we can hold on to our faith and that others will see Jesus through us as well. If God knows the best way forward, if he knows that it, the plans that he has to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future, then why would we choose to go in a different direction, I wonder? I want to say this morning that if you stand at the cusp of something new, 
If God's calling you into something different, perhaps exercising a ministry, serving somewhere, change of jobs, maybe there's a, a circumstance that you're facing. If you're fearful of taking that step of faith, remember that God is with you. The Holy Spirit fills you. And that if you feel that you're less than able to do that, then be reminded as well that Scripture promises that when we call on God to fill us afresh, that he will do that as well, and abundantly so. God will never turn us away. So what do we make of this story as I just wrap that up together? What can we take from this story this morning? I don't know if you've heard of a man called William Carey. He was the founder of BMS, the Baptist Missionary Society. And he said right at the start, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And in many respects, I believe those sentiments are echoed by the story that we read, by Caleb and Joshua. Of course we're going to face obstacles that stand between us and where God would want us to be. Yet I believe this morning we can take real encouragement that if we walk by faith and not sight, keeping our eyes on God and not on our own weaknesses, trusting in his promises and following obediently when he calls, then we will experience his blessing and the fullness of life that Jesus came to give each and every one of us. It's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful blessing to receive. But like everything that we saw in this story, it's a choice for each and every one of us as well. I want to say to you this morning, if you've trusted Jesus for your eternal salvation and your forgiveness of sins, why wouldn't you trust him for every situation that we face in our lives? Our God is bigger than our fears and certainly bigger than the obstacles that we may face in life. So this morning, will you get in the wheelbarrow if God calls? Will you trust in him? Will you walk by faith and not sight? For as Caleb said, the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Let's just pray before we, we move on um, and share this wonderful meal together. Let's just pray. So dear Lord Jesus, we acknowledge today that you are sovereign over all the earth. Your name is above all others. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all of the strength that we need to live by is in your hands and available to us through your Holy Spirit. I pray today that we would obediently follow the path that you set before each one of us and as your church in the sure and certain knowledge that you are there by our side, that we are not alone. When we come up against our own giants, obstacles that would threaten to overwhelm us, or you call us into the unknown, into something that's new and perhaps daunting, may we be encouraged to face it in faith rather than fear, fixing our eyes on you, for you are greater than anything that we will face. 
Lord Jesus, would you help us to live the life of faith, walking closely with you and putting our trust and confidence in you. We know that we may not always be brave, but in all the challenges that lie ahead, give us the strength to meet them so that we can follow you obediently into those places where you want us to be, walking in step with your spirit so that you may be glorified in and through us, we pray. Amen.